Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here today in week five to talk about after the week five Monday night thriller against the Colts to talk about the defense. This is the tougher side of the ball for this game. Certainly for for quite a while, it was a difficult one. Joining me here for this one, uh, Vas Laricos from Baltimore Beatdown. Vas, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Thank you for having me. Uh, Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, my friend. A heart stopper in this game. Did you go or did you watch from home? I, I watch from home these days. Okay. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, it sounds like, sounds like uh, this is you know, one of the things as an analyst that's very tough, and I'm sure you guys complain about this a lot at Beatdown, is, is just what a pain in the ass it is to do any kind of analysis after a night game. Yes, indeed. Uh, it, it takes forever. We unfortunately have a very understanding wife who does the notes with me. We finished at 4.22 a.m. So uh, in terms of, of just doing the defense for this game. Any overarching thoughts before we get into some of these things? Well, I think the defense missed some of the players that are out right now. Certainly missed LJ Fort, Deshaun Elliott, and uh, Derek Wolf. Hopefully will be returning at some point soon. It was a tough game, I thought, for the defense, but they did just enough. Made a few plays here and there when they needed to, to give the offense what they needed to, to engineer the comeback. Yeah, it really was a, a good game for the other team to have a lot of kicking problems. And the Ravens have seemingly rarely benefited from that in recent years. But there was a stretch in the early 2000s when they went through a stretch in 2000 and 2001 where the opposing teams made like 44% of kicks against them over an extended period. It was like 18 or 20 games or some such this had happened. Uh, and it, pretty incredible. And included that four miss game by... Chris Brown, does that sound right? Did the Steelers game in 01? Uh, yes, I believe so. Certainly remember a few Titans uh, missed field goals as well. There you go. The Aldo Greco misses. There you go. Both both regular season and postseason. Now they bring that up. Well, anyway, I, you know, if we were, as long as we're comparing to old times, let's go back to the 2003 Seattle game because this game reminded me of that in a lot of ways. Uh, did you, are you, are you familiar of the proper age to remember that game? Yes, I, I vaguely remember it. Haven't gone back to that in a while. I believe it was Marcus Robinson with the game winner there, uh, but it's been a while. Yeah, he, he had four touchdown catches in that game, a free agent receiver of absolutely no note for the, for the Ravens other than that game. Uh, Anthony Wright was a quarterback mm-hmm. and uh, there are a lot of things that were, were, were similar about it. A lot of people remember that 2003 game. A lot of people were there and a lot of people left early for that game too, which is kind of a similarity, but um, the opposing quarterback, very similar kind of day. Uh, it was Hasselbeck that time for Seattle and he was near flawless. He's actually only 23 for 41 in terms of completions, but five touchdowns, no interceptions and a loss it is pretty incredible in an NFL game. Sure. Um, it was uh, one of those games 
Remind me a little bit of the 0-1 or 0 game against Jacksonville. Brunel had a game there too. But uh, yeah, Wentz uh, and I thought that Andy really had a nice game plan put together to attack the Ravens, make them tackle, get players into space with some horizontal plays. Um, so yeah, he, he had he had a good game for sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was certainly a big part of that was was uh, getting guys out into space, having our inside linebackers have trouble closing. You know, one thing that bothered me about this game more than just about any anything is the the. Colts' ability to get their linemen at will into level two to make blocks there. And it didn't matter, pass or run, they were doing. They roamed free in level two, and they made blocks. And our inside linebackers are having a lot of trouble getting off blocks, particularly, of course, Patrick Queen. But but even Harrison was having trouble in this game. I thought Board had some difficulty, too. Um, just does not make them effective run defenders. It's one of the job requirements for being a good run defender is you got to be able to shed blocks. Yes, that's certainly Queen Board. He definitely struggled as well. Harrison, I thought, had a tough game after probably his best game as a pro was against Indy last year. And he missed several tackles where he was unblocked in the hole and just could not bring the ball carrier down. Uh, Inside linebackers, probably the biggest concern, certainly the biggest concern on defense at this point. Yeah, the Ravens have done some things to address this I want to get to later when we talk packages a little bit. I mean, I, I they've had, they have had tackling problems that have frankly been worse than this game. I thought as for a tackling game, it might have even been a small step forward because they didn't make as many uh, tackles, they didn't have as many missed tackles in the secondary. I thought in particular Stevens played pretty well in terms of making his tackles, even though he made them way downfield. He was the last line of defense a lot and uh, and made tackles. I thought that that Clark had another good game. Uh, the guys on the outside, Humphrey did miss a tackle when he was actually in run defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but otherwise, I thought the I thought generally speaking, the guys made their tackles. Averett, he's targeted all the time, but he made his tackles generally speaking. Yes, I thought the one on Humphrey might have been called back on penalty, but uh, Queen the one was the uh, twenty yard swing pass to Taylor, where he had four guys in front of him, and Queen just lost uh, his leverage, and that was a tough one. And Stevens, to his credit, did chase him down when he was uh, getting to the third level there. Um, so yeah, I, I actually would agree that it, it was probably an improvement in tackling, which isn't saying very much. All right. Um, let me go to some other things I'll make sure I want to get in here. Um, uh, edge setting in this game, I thought not the greatest. It's, it certainly has been better in the past, but they, they lost the edge a few times. Oway, in fact, uh, we have nothing but good things to say about week after week, it seems. Uh, was having trouble with his edge. I thought more. Bowser had good a couple of positive edge setting notes for him. I don't know what you saw. Exactly, exactly. I thought Bowser did a nice job setting the edge in this game. Away, not as much. Um, Houston, and I think it's interesting, McPhee is on a pretty limited snap count early in the season. Um, And, of course, they're missing Ferguson still, too. So I don't think it was terrible, but it it wasn't traditional Ravens edge setting, to so to speak. Yeah, if it wasn't for the last six run plays, when a lot of what the Colts were doing, obviously, was trying to run out the clock, and then they had the – one yard run that was almost a kneel by Wentz to try and set up the final field goal opportunity in regulation. But those last six run attempts really brought down their averages for the game. I think they had two yards on six carries at the end. And so before then they had what, 20 for 128 or something. So they finished with 4.7 per carry and the Ravens have been giving up 4.1 coming into the game. I also thought Matabike vacated his gap on a couple of those yeah. Chunk runs, interior runs. Um, it wasn't they great. Vacated as a penetrator, or or got got moved. One of each, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, you know, vacated as a penetrator. At least I understand it. That's the old you know, play a hundred miles an hour sure. if, you, if you're not sure. And you know, this was this is a very good game for Wentz in terms of being able to show the kind of fakes that Lamar Jackson has really not been able to master. And those are the true RPO fakes that go all the way into the mesh and then come out. So Lamar had two in his first NFL game. He had one more, I think, in week four or five of that 2019 season. But the Ravens went through a season where they basically had a set of forward-facing fakes, I call them, 
where they you know would would hand check the ball to a running back but not go all the way into the mesh and even with sidecar now Lamar really doesn't make use of that in the same way to go all the way to the mesh pull it out and then make a throw Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. And uh, and Wentz did some damage on some of those bootlegs as well. They really did. They had a nice game plan put together. And I think you have to give the, the Indianapolis some credit. They were missing two offensive linemen. Of course, Nelson, the all-pro, and Smith, the right tackle, and their center, Kelly, missed a couple snaps there, I think, in the second quarter. Um, so it's not. it wasn't great to have that kind of performance against a banged-up team, but but Indy is a physical team, a smash-mouth running team. So hopefully they can get it locked up for uh, coming up. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's certainly hopefully the case, but you know, the, the point I was making is that they were over, given over, over six yards of carry before those last six. And, and that's where the game was really quote-unquote decided. Then it became undecided again, but it was, it was decided early uh, on those bad runs. Um, let's go on. I want to talk packages here for a little bit. I need to go through my, my notes on this fairly quickly. The, the base package for the Ravens, uh, you know, the three, the three, two, two, four, the three defensive linemen, two outside linebackers, two inside linebackers, and then four in the secondary, uh, was comically bad in this game. And they had it on at a variety of times. It's a little unusual, but they had it on for the third and 15 play because the Colts looked a little heavy on that play on the very first drive went for 76 yards. Of course, that influenced the statistics, but even if you take that out, it's eight plays for 71 yards they give up, so it's still almost nine yards a play. That's not acceptable for the base defense to be that lackluster um, in a game, obviously. they, they uh, it, it should be your best tackling defense if you trust your inside linebackers to tackle. Your defensive linemen you know, should give you the – ability to stuff the run a little bit better and they just did not get it done whenever they looked a little bit large they went to this base package and uh, and the Ravens didn't didn't really have an answer for run or pass in that situation yeah certainly disappointing especially with the home field crowd and they were yeah, they had a couple snaps with three tight ends on the field I noticed they were using Granson and um, obviously Doyle and Ali Cox, who had a pretty good game. I thought the linebacker, inside backers and base weren't quite getting enough depth on their drops into the zones at some point as well. At some and that, a lot of that, I think, is read-based, Voss. I, I agree sure. completely. And a lot of that's read-based because he – Wentz at times in this game looked like Peyton Manning to me in terms of there were maybe not even one but two initial fakes before the pass was thrown. So he had his – he had his dance card all day. I mean, the, the one perfect example was a drop back where he had a fake handoff on the straight ahead, a fake handoff on the orbital motion, I guess it was, orbit motion. And then he threw a pass out of that. Um, and you know, it took him a long time to set that up. Uh, I don't even remember if it was complete, honestly. But but he also went into the mesh t- at times, and the, you know they lost track of the football. Frankly, the Ravens did, and uh, you know they weren't able to to make their reads properly. And an inside linebacker is probably the place that's hurting most. Although I think at times it looked like um, Tavon got caught out of position, and also Clark got caught out of position, even doing that. And that's you know that that's a quarterback really getting his job done, frankly, to to be able to do that. Sure, and they're going to have to. Tighten it up, you know, they're going to have to because teams are going to continue to make them prove they can stop that kind of stuff. That's going to that's the bullseye from I think from this point forward. Right. I, I, there's definitely things from this Colts game. A lot of other teams are going to look at, no doubt about it. Uh, continue on with packages. They went to the standard nickel 28 times. Uh, it's a common response to 11 and 12 personnel, 28 plays, 203 yards, 7.3 yards per play. Again, not what you want, but uh, not by far the worst that they did in a package. They used this jumbo nickel again. Now, they used it a lot in 2019 where they would have, you know, they had weakness in inside linebacker. They said, okay, in order to, to improve our run game, we kind of trust, trust our safeties on run fits, but we'll still put in three down linemen. We'll put in two edge rushers who will, have, who will be advantaged with the wider line in terms of getting that edge turned properly. And remember, that team had all those nose tackles, four nose tackles basically mm-hmm. they had available to them. This team still, even with the injuries, I think the defensive line, you'd have to say, is a strength this year of, of who they are with Campbell playing so well. Sure, and, sure. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, they tried it in this game, nine plays, 101 yards, 11.2 yards per play. So it didn't work. Uh, it was a problem with run and pass. So it wasn't one particular thing. So that was a, um, an issue there. It's just an alternative they use against 11 personnel sometimes. So they're not always showing the same front and they're not super easy to game plan against in that, in that way. Sure. That makes sense. And that would, that would be Jimmy on the back end and Steven's kicking and kicking down, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so it's, it's kind of like a heavy, it's a heavy nickel in this case also. So the big characteristic of it is, is three down linemen and five defensive backs, but the five Mm -hmm. defensive backs aren't the standard five defensive backs with Tavon that they normally have. It's yeah, it's Jimmy instead of Tavon. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, 32 dime, they played a little bit more this year. Now, this is a package they haven't played since 2001 prior to this year, not in any amount anyway. I'm not saying it's never happened, but it's been very unusual. And they played it a little bit. It's unusual to me that they would go to a package like this where they have two inside linebackers on the field and they give up um, either an outside linebacker or a defensive lineman to do so because of how weak the inside linebackers are on this team. But they played it now probably closing in on 15 times this year. They played it about six times in the opener and about six times in week two, I want to say. So you're getting up close to 15 times if they're not there already. One play in this game for 15 yards. The play that was, was Q4, 13 seconds left when they ran the 15-yard pass. Mm -hmm. I guess you get a couple faster guys on the field to try and tackle and make sure they don't get the necessary yardage. Obviously, it didn't work. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We, we move on. Two plays of rush dime. We'll get into this too much. Three outside linebackers on the field, two defensive linemen, and six defensive backs. What I do like about the rush dime is you get your inside linebackers off the field. And so the Ravens, having that weakness, have to look the packages. And the rush dime and the race car dime were two ways they had to do it. Um, get, their, get their dime defense on the field with five combined outside linebackers slash defensive linemen. And they did that 16 times. Results were lukewarm with rush dime, two plays for 18 yards, but with race car dime, and it's almost impossible to find a good split for the Ravens in this game. 14 plays, 37 yards, 2.6 yards per play when mm-hmm. they yanked their offensive or their two inside linebackers off the field. So if you put those two together, it's 16 plays for 55. So it's still three and a half yards a play, roughly. Um, and in a game like this, where they gave up what? eight yards of play or whatever it was. I mean, that's fantastic. A lot of chunk plays they gave up in this game. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight plays of 20 or more, including a 72 or 76 or 42. Uh, so this is predominantly, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Campbell as the defensive lineman. Yeah. And then McPhee is playing like a four eye tech or three or four. And then you have OA and Houston on the outside and Bowser's kind of off the line hunting. Yeah, they they had that's what they did in this game is they this race car dime they they had Bowser off the line they play him inside and they play him outside because you know he's a he's obviously a very flexible chess piece for them but it makes all kinds of sense that you wouldn't screw around anymore with Queen if your best coverage linebacker is Bowser then go ahead and drop him off ball I I, I like the flexibility the pass rush suffers from not having another guy on the field who can help you out in level two but. On the other hand, it's just the, the inside linebackers are killing this team. Oh, Agreed. I, and, and as much as they send safety blitzes and, and slot blitzes, then uh, you can you can still generate some pressure off the edge without a Patrick Queen on the field. Right. Right. All right. Well, um, some interesting things to do there. Let's uh, let's move on to the pass rush here. Um, Numbers were up, generally speaking. Deception, very modest in this game. I want to go through a little bit of these numbers here because there's some strange stuff. Um, Talk about ample time and space, first of all. They gave Wentz ample time and space 30% of the time, 11 out of 37 dropbacks. That's that's neither particularly high nor particularly low. He manufactured some of that himself. Uh, You mentioned boot plays, but other plays where misdirection kept the Ravens a little bit frozen, I think, was was effective in buying him some time. He was 9 of 11 for 132 on those plays. So he got 12.0 yards. Sorry. Yeah, I've got that wrong. So 12 point, I've got to fix that in my article. 12.0 yards per play um, uh, when, he, when he had ample time and space. Um, that's excellent. Uh, but with the ball out quickly, which is another category I count, so it wasn't a pressure that had developed, but it would have developed within three seconds, still 10.8 yards per play. So that's uh, you know certain, I'm sorry, 10.1. Um, and then even when he was pressured, he threw for 9.6 yards per play, after you, even after you deduct for the sacks. 
So that's a that's a hell of a game. It sure is. It sure is. And I thought the pressure wasn't necessarily as consistent as you would hope. Most of the time it was timely, uh, but there were receivers running open. So that's that's you know what are you going to do? You you can't coverage dictates uh, whether it's going to work or not most of the time. Yeah. We, we, you saw the first sack by Tavon, and I guess it was the second sack of the game after Owe got the first one, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter. The order doesn't really matter. But, he, but anyway, he blitzed off the slot. Wentz really did not see the hot read was Pittman there. I think it was Pittman. I was actually having trouble reading that off the screen, whether it was Pittman or Campbell, but I think it was Pittman. I think so. I think it was Pittman. Okay, so it was either 1 or 11. It's actually a, a little fuzzy. So, uh, <laughs> but, it, but anyway, it's, uh, uh, it, it, he, he did not look turn left to make his initial read there. So he didn't catch the, the hot um, uh, young coming off hot off that left slot. And that ended up being a very fast sack, which was fortunate because Pittman was, was uncovered at that point. It would have been a nice play for them. Um, but the Ravens in general were doing the um, Colts a favor to rush the, uh, sorry, to blitz in this game, particularly from off ball. And, you know, a lot of that ends up leading to numbers, but I'll just go through this real quickly. When the, when the Ravens rushed three, they had one play for five yards. Okay. That's what you expect. When they rushed four, 21 plays for 193 yards, 9.2 per play. When they rushed five, 11 plays for 119, that's 10.8 per play. And then when they rushed six or more, they rushed seven once, uh, four plays for 73 yards. So, Wentz was very good at reading hot, making the controlled pass he needed to make in this game to get out of some difficulty. And and that burned the Ravens for quite a while in this game. And in fact, despite it, they blitzed more in the second half than they did in the first, meaning they brought numbers and they brought off ball blitzes. Yes, uh, I think Queen. I'm sorry, Clark uh, had made a nice tackle for loss on a uh, on a blitz off the edge, and then Queen had his tackle for loss was an a gap run blitz, um, but it it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't crazy deceptive like you said. They, I guess they dropped. I saw a few where they dropped away. Um, but it, it wasn't uh, something they were going to throw at at a quarterback that's unprepared. And Wentz was dialed in. He really was. Yeah. So you, you, could, you mentioned Oway there for a second. And they, what they didn't, I didn't think, do too much to try and do was really try and screw up the timing on the patterns. And particularly when he's doing ball in the mesh, ball out, and he's got his back turned to the field on some of this play action stuff, he needs that timing to be about right in order to do that. If he has to reacquire the field and start reading at that point, he's way behind schedule. So what I was wondering is, would it have been a, the guy who, who to me was they had two guys that were really burning the Ravens pretty brutally. Obviously one was Pittman. Mm-hmm. And, and so if they could have, if they could have jammed him when he's in the slot, that would have been nice. But the other guy who was burning. It was Mo Alley Cox. Mm-hmm. And if, if they could have found a way to jam him off the line of scrimmage, I think it might've been worth a little bit of always effort to try and do that. The way that they got a little bit of mistiming from Kelsey. Agreed. Agreed completely. And um, maybe that's one of the, I think Jimmy Smith would have been a, uh, if you could bring him down, but they can't afford to at this point. Yeah, they really needed him on the back end, didn't they? I mean, he's mm-hmm. one of the guys who understand what's going on. And, and even though Stevens had a pretty good game as a tackler, I, he didn't show up on the back end in many brackets as I'm watching the game. So it's not like he's he's you know being a really impactful single high that way. Right. The one I remember, he hit a whole shot uh, where he was he was a back end, and but Averett was uh, didn't get enough depth on that one. One of the completions Averett allowed. <laughs> Okay, so it was it was was that a cover three play where he was on the back end and, and yes. even had to actually go back to the play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was that was a good spot in the zone. Um, all right, so uh, why don't we do go to our normal thing? And we're going to have a good amount of time for the mailbag, which I'm happy about this with you tonight, Voss. So we'll, we'll get to that at the end. But uh, sure. individual player discussions. Who would you who would you like to talk about? Um, I'd like to start with away. Um, that forced fumble he had was an excellent play where he just completely timed the ball perfectly, flashed hit that world-class speed, and beat Fisher and caused the forced fumble. Had a huge time in the game. Um, they were driving, a long drive. I think it was a 10-play drive and about to take either a 10- or 14-point lead, and it completely changed momentum. And his uh, he had another very nice play in the fourth quarter where he used an inside move to 
uh, hurry Wentz, forced him to throw it away, which yeah. held Indy to a field goal. Uh, and he had some other nice hustle plays downfield where he was uh, cleaning up some missed tackling. But I thought that especially that first play was probably the defensive play of the game, not including the, the block of the field goal on special teams. Right. I, I, I agree with you on that one. And and I, I, I you may have mentioned this, and I apologize for missing because I was looking up something about OA. But on, on that first play, he was lightning quick off the snap. Like he was off exactly as the mm-hmm. ball was snapped. For my seats, it looked like he was off sides. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you see he beats every other lineman by three, four, five ticks. When you when you click it out on the thing, which means okay, if he beats him by five ticks, he's beating him by 0.17 seconds off the snap, which is really a lot. Um, he he uh, got outside of Eric Fisher at the at a point he didn't even need a pass rush move at that. Or he didn't need a rip move. Or he didn't need anything else. He just kind of mm-hmm. batted his hands away and continued on his way, and and it was a very quick sack. The other thing I loved about Owe is exactly what you said: is we saw some inside moves from him that really. I mean, he's realizing now, he's just getting a feel maybe for just how remarkable his athleticism is relative to his opponents in this game, even at the NFL level, um, is is that he can basically break on them inside. And a lot of it is, you know, Eurostep based. So I thought it would be that Owe would need to make contact with an opponent that would cause the overreaction. And then by having a pass rush plan, he'd be able to move inside, move outside, a counter, whatever he's done. And, and really be an effective pass rusher. But honestly, he doesn't even have to touch the touch the guy to do it. I mean, they're, they're, scared, they're scared to death of him, for starters. But, the, but they react to his to his first move of his feet. Yeah, he's uh, they're just scratching the surface, but it's good to see him continuing. I saw the one stunt that it, as I noticed was uh, he crashed inside and Campbell looped around him. So they're, they're really just starting to unlock the box uh, of uh, – and I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, he has really does have the makings of a cornerstone player for this franchise. Right. It, it looks that way to me too. And and honestly, I, I'm I'm very impressed with who he is as a rookie with three sacks in five games and all the other things he's done. I mean, he's the base of teams. Probably the team's best pass rusher, unless you want to say Campbell is. Uh, I don't think Houston is as good as him, honestly, right now. But Houston's mm-hmm. been pretty darn good. Uh, but I, I'm impressed by. Certainly where he is right now, I'm even more impressed with how much he's grown since what I was looking at in terms of draft tape. I mean, he's he's monstrously fast. He's he's, uh, you know, able to dictate play across the face of a guard a lot of times at a much higher level than you see from a rookie. I mean, you see a rookie being able to leap. I mean, he's a great uh, sorry, being able to loop. He's a great underneath player Mm -hmm. on on twists and stunts. You just mentioned that allowed Campbell to loop. Yes, uh, just just scratching the surface, but they're starting to unlock it, and they need it. So it's it's really great pick. I'm 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 could not be more uh, excited to see. All right, all right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the bad news first. We're gonna have to talk a little bit about Anthony Averett in this mm-hmm. game because it, it was a difficult game for him. And you know, I think it's fair to say coming into this game, he'd been the Ravens' best corner. Um, mm-hmm. He'd outplayed he'd outplayed Humphrey. Um, you know, his passer rating against was microscopic so far for the season, including a couple picks and whatnot. No touchdowns allowed. Uh, so in this game, he allowed, of course, the touchdown on on a very bad play where he had a, a pass interference and the guy made the catch anyway. Uh, and then he kind of kind of slipped off the tackle, although it's questionable whether you call that a missed tackle or not. But it, it doesn't really matter. It was a terrible play all the way around. Um, kind of face guarded the guy. Looked to me. Did it look to you like Pittman? Also, I think it was Pittman. Yeah, it was Pittman. Pushed, it, pushed his head. Yeah, he, he kind of mossed him, but it wasn't an up-in-the-air moss. He almost kind of – if it was basketball, it might have been an over-the-back call, you know, over-the-back yeah. foul. Um, yeah, he, he had a tough game. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to uh, interject there. No, oh, it, it's fine. It's supposed to be natural back and forth. I'm the one who's more likely to have these long 19-point diatribes, especially as compared to you, boss. I have other people where we have to worry about this both ways, but with you, it's it's, it's me that needs to worry about it. <laughs> Very good. Like, we'll, say, we'll say the behind-the-scenes things is, Voss and I are looking at each other, but we don't we don't share this video. But if, if I'm making a 19-point manifesto and you want to interject, just put your put your finger up. You and, got it. Let me go. There you go. <laughs> but... It, the problems to me for Avery, and I've got them detailed in the article out on filmstudybaltimore.com, we're at the top of the route. Um, he's consistently 
falling for whatever they were selling. Mm-hmm. And so they sold single moves, and then at times they sold double moves. Campbell had a a really impressive, I think it was Campbell, had a really impressive inside-outside move on him mm-hmm. uh, late in the game, Q4039 for that for that last, uh, the first play on that drive that, that was for, went for 23 yards. Um, you know, he, but he got whatever they were selling, he was buying at the top of the route. So he, he, he was being forced to turn in the wrong direction pretty regularly. And that's how you get picked on a lot. And he's been such a good boundary corner, you know, a guy who can, who can hug, hug with anybody right up the line, force that guy out of bounds the way Jimmy Smith or, or, um, Ike Taylor would do. Um, but, but he has that, uh, uh, in space, he's not the same guy. And I think we just saw it. And I'm afraid that every other team in the NFL just saw it too. Yes. Uh, he, uh, I think he allowed 10 catches on 12 targets for 190 yards. So that's a tough game. And they were just pounding him down that left sideline. Mm-hmm. The potentially maybe a bright spot. If I recall, he had a similarly difficult game week, three of last year against Arizona when he was first pressed into action before, and then he went down with an injury and then he came back and he really came on. Um, in this game, I think if, if Elliot was healthy, they probably would have given Jimmy that assignment after, uh, after Aver was struggling to that extent. Um, so we'll see how he plays out. I, I do think he may be able to rebound, but as you said, he was just, uh, he he was falling for for like you said right at the top of the stem there he could not keep up and in in zone it, it, or man or zone he just he had a tough game a very tough game yeah well it's uh, he's he's certainly he's been through the wars at this point uh, he hasn't been a, a you know a starter for a long period of time but he's been a pretty good player off and on he's certainly shown all the flashes including this year um, him recovering to a good percentage of what he was already is a big part of this Ravens defense being better than they were on, on Monday night. Yes. You can't have a weakness there and then also try to cover up your weakness in the interior, you know, the middle of the field between the safeties and the linebackers. It's, it's too much. You need, I mean, the defense is predicated on, on cover corners. It really is. So mm-hmm. you need that. Um, again, though, you do have Jimmy, waiting in the wings potentially when he can possibly return to a more of a cornerback role. Right. This is unfortunate that I think Averett cost himself some money with this game, but we'll see how it ends up, ends up playing out. Um, the Ravens, I think are, are, are the way he had played early in the season were probably very unlikely to be able to sign him. Um, it was something that if they really wanted to do it, they'd have had to invest at the, during this off season and make him a deal that would have been a nice divisible benefit deal to get him signed early secure for say three extra years beyond the end of this year um and feeling good about the about the amount of money he was earning which might be two and a half million a year say and now i don't know i don't know what he makes uh he he might make more somewhere else but uh but i don't think he'll make a lot more here a lot of interesting decisions for the offseason i mean the defensive line is almost everyone or at least the big two are unrestricted yeah peter's coming back from maybe come back from injury with a big cap hit. You have Tavon, who has a pretty good number. Um, so, yeah, there could be some – and obviously Elliot too. So, yeah, it's going to be probably a little bit of a reshaped defense next year. But uh, hopefully Averick can regain that form he showed for the first four games. Uh, Voss, it's your turn. Which player would you like to talk about next? Uh, I would like to talk about Brandon Stevens. I thought this was his best game as a professional. He played a full snap share, which he hadn't done to date. And um, nothing spectacular. You know, I I wouldn't put him in the MVP column per se. Mm -hmm. But he had some nice – he got some pressure on the quarterback. He had the assist on Campbell's tackle for loss right before the the field goal. Um, He had a couple run stops, I noticed, that would have been considered wins for the defense. Mm Mm-hmm. Decent coverage. I thought he showed nice effort that play where he chased down Taylor, as I mentioned earlier, really rounding into form as a guy who was not a full-time safety in college, who's been forced into action probably earlier than they anticipated. I think he played pretty well, and especially in the fourth quarter, he really came on pretty strong. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought so too. I, I, I very positive on what he did, certainly in terms of being the last line of defense. I, I look at it. I, I have some of the same comments, but two defensive wins. But the nine other tackles he had, two defensive wins were on RL three and PL four. The nine others, PM fifteen, RM two, but that was a second and three, so it wasn't a win. Mm-hmm. Not that that's not that it's a bad play. It's just not a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, PL thirty one, PL twenty one, RL thirteen, PL twenty four, RL twenty two, PR twenty nine, RL seven. So he he's really the, the 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 big plays that you talked about. They had what ten of them, mm-hmm. twenty plus yards. Mm-hmm. You know, he made the tackle on half of those. It looks like. And thankfully he was there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me talk. Let me pick another player. With Brandon Stevens, certainly a you know big game, and I would agree with you. Best game as a pro. I'm going to go with uh, Tavon. Uh, to me, he was the Ravens' best defensive player on this night. I know a lot of people are not going to necessarily agree with this, uh, particularly with the penalty that almost cost him the game. But the things he did were really exceptionally good. Uh, he, he got the strip of Pascal for a PD early in the game. He had a sack minus seven off the edge. It had to be lightning quick. It was part of that was not giving it away pre-snap to Wentz as slot corners are wont to do. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, they'll even have to sometimes take a false step inside or two because they know they give it away on a lot. Humphrey, of Humphrey does that a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, uh, he strung out uh, and tackled Doolin for a loss of two on a pass. So that was a nice one. That might have been a, a, uh, a you know a jet toss pass. Um, and then it, there was Pittman, he took down. That one was a really big one because he beat a block to get there. And that quickness from Tavon, we've really been missing at slot corner the last, what, couple of years now, I guess. Really, 18 was the last time Tavon played any significant amount of time for the Ravens. And, you know, I, I was very skeptical about his ability. Now I'm really wondering how do they restructure to get him signed again? He can't make $9 million next year, whatever the number is. It's a, it's a big hit cap hit. But he could make something less than that and be signed for three years, I think, at this point. The big question is, can he stay healthy for the length of that? But he, they're certainly – I mean, the first game he had a tough go. But he looks like he's knocked off the rust. I would agree that he was – the most impactful player. The one blemish, obviously, is the penalty, which fortunately they did not uh, weren't able to hit that field goal. That's kind of a tough penalty. Uh, obviously, um, I think it was Doyle pushed his head into the ground and then he jumped up and then a total flop. I mean, yeah, you know, it's they, ridiculous. They, and they people jump up and push you in the chest all the time. Yeah. Uh, but I, that's the one thing you could knock him for. But he really did play well. I don't. I, I, how many? I don't think he gave up too many uh, passes in his coverage. I think I have it here. Um, a few, but, six but, for seven actually yeah. is what I what I saw. You, you, that's uh, that's going to be a lot of shorter stuff in mm-hmm. front of him. A lot of the you know short zone coverage. I saw that too. I saw it was a it was a either you know six for seven, seven for eight. Different services will we'll call it differently. Um, I don't even chart all the real short snaps unless mm-hmm. I need to really record somebody's pass rush numbers. So I knew it was in the sorry pass coverage numbers, but yeah, I, it, it it that number does not really tell you that he was a bad coverage guy. I don't think for this game. And again, they had trouble getting off the field on third down early in the game, and his sack got him off the field. And couple, couple pass breakup, three tackles for loss from the slot man. You can't complain about that. No, three tackles for loss in the slot is, is pretty damn good. I, th- I, you know, one of the other things that I think some people said some stuff about this on Twitter was that the the push in the head on Tavon. I don't know if Doyle planned it that way. I don't know if he said, "If I get an opportunity, I'm doing this," but. You know, Tavon's had neck injuries, and what he's been through, obviously, that's a really significant thing. It's like he's screwing with my livelihood. Right. He got up and he, and, he, and he pushed him. And, you know, all the other players around him emoted. They knew he did done something stupid. Tavon knew right away that he'd done something stupid. But just the, the flop, I, I really think, you know, in, in soccer, they'd have, they'd, have, they'd have yellow carded him for that flop, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a great point. I didn't think about the uh, the injury ramifications. It's a football is a physical game. Sometimes players lose their cool. I know a lot of Ravens fans used to get ticked off at Matt Don once in a while. And I don't know, it's almost tradition with the Ravens. How many uh, players like that did Terrell Suggs have over the years? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a Courtney Upshaw is a guy who had more uh, personal fouls than sacks. <laughs> Ravens tenure. At least Suggs had, you know, some offsetting things on the other side of that balance. 
All right. So I think I picked Tavon. Okay. Uh, well, let's go to Calais Campbell. Excellent game. I know you have the uh, the full run sheet there of, of all the damage he did. Quite a few stops um, in the backfield or, or close to the line of scrimmage. Um, put some good pressure on, especially from the interior. And, of course, probably the play of the game with the blocked field goal. He knifed past Golwinski, got his arm up. I think the ball hit him in the forearm. He didn't even need his hand. And – I would say that I think uh, the kicker, uh, what's his blanket chip, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I think he was uh, with the goggles. I think he was feeling the pressure um, at the end of the game as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, kick, kickers, when they're having problems like blanket chip has had, and he's been very accurate short-range kicker, kind of like a Matt Stover in terms of his, of his ability to do that. But he's also got some sort of a muscle injury he's dealing with, and I don't know the exact terms of maybe from watching the game on TV, it was more clear. They said a hip. A hip, okay. So he's, he's, if, you know, that's a pretty serious injury for a kicker, whether you're on your plant foot or your kicking foot, I don't care. Um, but, but he's also got to be concerned if he doesn't have the same power to his kick, he's got to kick the ball lower to get the trajectory right. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. that brings blocks into the equation, and, and it brought Calais Campbell in, in, in this case. Because short kick, you know, it's the kind of thing, if it were, if it were Tucker, there'd be like no chance for it to be blocked because he'd elevate. Mm-hmm. enough that it, that it just wouldn't be an issue. So uh, it was an interesting play. And, and, and then, of course, on the, on the miss, the last miss was a little further away. It was up from 40, 46, 47, and he missed that kick uh, wide left. And that, that was a case where he, he pretty much had to go back to a low kick, and he just missed it. Sure. But Campbell, he's playing certainly the best defensive lineman, playing a ton of snaps too, 75% of snaps yeah. in this game. He's been up over in that range the entire season, really. Um, yeah, I think this is the the reason why Eric DaCosta traded for him, and, and he's one of the highest players on the team, paid players on the team. He really has has been excellent. Yeah, he's headed for for a Pro Bowl for certain. I mean, honestly, if they considered him the same way, and he he's he kind of hurts himself because he does everything well, you know, run defense, pass defense, but he still plays special teams and blocks kicks. Mm-hmm. But he, he probably could be all pro. Um, you know, the five years, and you mentioned this, but the five years before he came to Baltimore, he played every single year between 77 and 80% of snaps. That is such a thin landing strip. I mean, you got to be 42nd airborne to hit that, you know, spot. Uh, that's just an unbelievably tight window of, of, of snaps played. And, and he's, he still is playing a little bit less right now. Last year, of course, he played a lot less due to mm-hmm. the injuries. Um, but but if if he could play anywhere near this much, I mean, he'll, he'll be very valuable. Surely. All right. So you said Calais Campbell. We could talk about Jimmy Smith. I think one of the hidden problems early in the game, and I thought Jimmy had a, had a pretty good game, and even this, this play was not really entirely his fault, but he ran into Chuck Clark from behind on the PL-76, on, the, on that screen pass, and that ended up um, taking the last line of defense out of the Ravens defense there. And he was the guy who had to make that tackle. He, and he could have been a guy who angled it down, but he really was the one who had to. Absolutely. They ran into each other there. I think Jimmy kind of showed why he's not a natural safety maybe on that play. Um, otherwise, he had a good game. He's he's uh, limited snap-wise. I think they're saving Jimmy, saving McPhee for later in the season, which is smart. Um, but, yeah, you know what you get with Jimmy. When he's on the field, he's very good in coverage. He's a short tackler for the most part when he's not running into his teammates. Yeah. Yeah, he's been a good tackler, no doubt about that. Um, you know, he made he made the really nice play. was a two-yard inbounds takedown of Pascal on that second and 20 play. So it's Q4, mm-hmm. 18 seconds remaining. He took him down for a gain of two, and you think, okay, that's it. They're not they're not kicking a field goal now. They won't even get another playoff. Or if they do, it's you know they're gonna they're gonna have to try something funky. And then of course the penalty happened, and they got a got a mm-hmm. field goal range right away or with one more play. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I picked Jimmy. Your turn. Okay, let's do Justin Houston. Um, didn't make a huge impact on the score sheet. I will say that he. Showed some good pursuit with a few plays. One was a smoke screen that he chased down. 
I don't recall the other one off the top of my head, but I noticed that he made an impact there. And, of course, he had the sack, which was negated by the horse collar. Now, I thought it was a legitimate horse collar. He did have his hand inside the pads there. Uh, but I think, you know, he's not the putting up a, a dozen sacks this season necessarily, but I think he is providing good return. And he, he's an important part of the defense at this point. Yeah, I, I thought he was their best pass rusher, even with the game Oway had, which was impressive. I thought Houston did more as a pass rusher. He had a quarterback hit that was negated by Averett's DPI. He had the sack, which the fact that he got a horse collar tackle, it's bad, but it didn't really change the fact that he was there providing pressure on that play. Wentz was completely ducking out of the play. If he gets out of it, it's probably incomplete. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get out of it, it's probably a sack or might get a quarterback hit on it. Um, it's unfortunate, obviously, that happened. But he had other pressures as well, and I, I, he was the most impactful as I saw it in, in that way. The, the play that kind of was a bummer for him was it, he missed a tackle six yards past the line of scrimmage on the 29-yard pass to Taylor. And it was mm-hmm. Q4857. So it was on that long drive where they possessed the ball for quite a long time, got in a field goal range. That was probably the biggest play of the drive. Yes. If not, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> that was uh, There were several missed tackles on that play. That's not necessarily his game. I, I'm interested to see if Ferguson gets back into the rotation. Now, he's been out for two weeks with COVID, I believe. So Seems that, like they're using that a little bit. Okay. That would make some sense. That would make some sense. So, I mean, a couple of things are going on. One is he's not paid for his COVID time. So okay. he's got any sort of symptoms. They're going to say another week off if they don't really need to use him. But the other thing is they got a free COVID elevation. So the guys on the practice mm-hmm. squad, they want to elevate multiple times. They have an extra opportunity to play that game. So while it's bad that he has COVID, the Ravens can make use of it to their advantage. So he's, he's playing the last two games, especially Houston's playing a good, a good share of snaps. He was at 64. Bowser was at 64 away led the unit at 65. So um, I think that's probably more than they envisioned coming into the season, but, uh, you know, a little bit shorthanded right now. So for for a guy that age, I think if he plays that many snaps and he makes a good impact, getting some pressures, that's uh, it's a good game. Okay, so the, the numbers you just quoted are percentages because the actual snaps were Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, that would make sense. That's okay. But that's okay. I mean, that's that's like perfect. Is about if you're an outside linebacker and you get 40 snaps from your good guys like Bowser and Oway, that's perfect. And that's mm-hmm. what they that's what they got. They got, I guess, 39 from Houston, which is, to me, that's a lot of snaps. Even 28 from McPhee is more than he had been playing. Agreed. So they, uh, you know, they're getting a decent amount of play. Well, Indy had some long drives. Um, they weren't necessarily time-consuming because right. there were some chunk plays in there, but they had, I think, three uh, double-digit play drives, at least, if not four. They had 63 snaps, so it's a, it's a, they were uh, probably about the league average for a, for a game. Uh, so it's a, as much as it seemed like Indianapolis had the ball the whole time, Indianapolis had some they had two-play scoring drive, mm-hmm. and they had, you know, a couple other shorter drives as well that were scoring drives, unfortunately. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, do you want to name MVPs while we do this, and we'll hit the mailbag? Uh, well, real quick, I just wanted to give Chuck Clark a hat tip. Oh, sure. Uh, I thought he made a nice play on that tackle for loss. And then the interception on the two-point conversion wasn't a superstar Clark game like he's been playing some of these games. But uh, in a game that goes overtime, uh, stopping a two-point conversion matters. He's just – he is such a critical player for this Ravens team. And, and uh, they are so lucky they got it figured out between – 2019 and now to get him the green dot and what that really meant for this team, you know, get rid of Earl Thomas, get, you know, honestly, they're fortunate. They were able the, the Tony Jefferson injury as terrible as this is to say, it was kind of fortunate for the Ravens that it, it paved the way for Chuck Clark. Yeah. It created yep. an opportunity for him. And then he took the green dot and he's never looked back. He's Wally pipped everybody else that's <laughs> been in there at safety for the Ravens. And uh, it, it, you know, he's part of the plan going forward. I think any way you look at it, Yep, agreed. Uh, MVP? Right. Yeah, MVP. Who is your number three guy? Uh, number three, I will go with um, – I will go with away. Okay. 
Fair enough. I, I left OA off my list. And some of this, I seem to be doing this like week to week. I want to keep my star quality list different. But a guy who I think really deserves mention this week, Brandon Williams, he had a really good game playing the run. And a lot of it went unnoticed because the Ravens overall did not play the run well. But Brandon Williams was really holding up his part. And I thought that that he made a number of nice run plays. I've detailed them in the article. A lot of people don't want to hear about runs anyway. But go there if you want to see. And I'll, I've, I've got them labeled out. He's my number three guy. Yeah, Brandon played well. Brandon played well and recovered the fumble too, notably. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two is going to be uh, Tavon Young. Um, really strong game as we are as we already detailed. Certainly wouldn't argue with that. My number two guy is Calais Campbell. Uh, you know, certainly did all kinds of things. I'm not going to count his special teams uh, play on the defense. If I did, he probably is number one in terms mm-hmm. of being having that block kick. Uh, he's, he's, Incredible two-way run and pass defender. The Ravens just have to figure out when can they afford not to have him on the field. And I think they'll be able to do that a little bit more better when Wolf gets back. Certainly. That's uh, hopefully return soon. And Campbell is my is my top MVP for this game. Um, but not, not a whole lot more to say. Just a consistent presence. And the fact that he's just playing so many snaps week after week. And he didn't even when he was healthy last season, he wasn't carrying this kind of snap share. So uh, impactful, consistent, professional leader. I think he's the MVP for this one. Yeah, I, I, I go along with you on that. That's fine. Uh, I had Tavon Young, so we just have our one and two guys switched. Tavon, number of big plays in this game. Really sorry that the uh, that penalty uh, came when it did, but I still think he was probably the most impactful defender during the game in terms of big plays made. So uh, that's the way I'm going. Tell you what I'm going to do here, Voss. We're going to switch over. Bring up Twitter, if you would, and yep. go to Poundstone Film Study Mailbag. I Poundstone. I am like 100 years old. Go to hashtag Film Study Mailbag. <laughs> and we'll kind of go through these one at a time. All right. Very good. If you're there first, you can, you can give us the first question. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, Ken, I don't know. This is from... Ravens fan 86. I don't understand the Ravens defense and how they are playing. They returned a majority of the unit. What am I missing between not covering the screen pass on third and 15, giving up 400 yards to Wentz to allowing the Colts running backs to run all over them? So let's pick one thing out of this and try and address, because I think the screen passes are something that have, that have bothered me this year. And, Edge setters are where that begins. Your edge setter really has to have great recognition skills. And I think Bowser still has it. I think Matt Judon had it. And so they had guys last year on both edges who could do it. Um, Houston is a savvy player, but he's not, he's a, not as quick and he's probably B more focused on the pass rush than, than on uh, uh, really trying to find that screen performer. Yes, uh, and Bowser notably uh, did not diagnose the screener. I guess he tried to get his hands up on that big one. Didn't quite make it there. It's also, obviously, inside linebackers diagnosing the play and getting yeah. there. So, um, And, of course, Deshaun Elliott, I think he probably would have made that tackle. Yeah, you know, that's a great point is, is the inside linebackers, they're playing downhill from that. If these guys can only play downhill and we, we already know, I mean, I say it, I basically say every week that these guys have no idea what's going on behind them in pass coverage. If, if it goes between level two and level three, it's like they just, I don't know, became invisible or whatever. When they once they go to level three, they can't figure it out from route concepts off the line of scrimmage. So you got to be a good downhill player, which means just kind of mirror that running back a little better when he swings out of the backfield. Sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's fairly football 101-ish in terms of, of what needs to be done. Sure. All right, I'll go to another question from Brad McGowan. It says, it seems this Ravens defense is objectively one of the worst performing thus far in Ravens history. Aside from the middle linebackers underwhelming, why do you feel that is? Secondary has been okay aside from Averett this week. Line and outside linebacker solid thoughts. So I think – you basically have it correct. I mean, they're obviously dealing with a ton of injuries, so I don't want to. I don't want to limit that anyway. The wolf injury is very serious. The extra injuries at safety have prevented them from playing dime in some circumstances. In a way, I'm not happy about. Uh, I think they'd be more aggressive about doing it if they if they really had four safeties and not three that they trusted, including Jimmy. Uh, see, so anyway, I, I want to see more of that. I want to see more flexibility of package. But part of the what what they've lost is pass rush flexibility. So even though they got to a quarterback pretty well in the Denver game, the rest of the games they've been pretty ineffective. 
developing the pressure, and some of that is Wink not having the same pass rush flexibility he's had in previous years. Um, you know, obviously the run defense, it's primarily the, the crap play from the inside linebackers, which is driving that. Yes, I'd agree, and it is to this I mean, th- through five games, one of the worst um, in Ravens history, no doubt about it. Um, they lost a lot of guys. They lost Matt Judon, who was a two-way player. Um, Marcus Peters, the loss of Marcus Peters cannot be understated out of all the at least season-ending variety injuries, not including Ronnie Stanley. Hopefully he can come back. Peters is a huge loss, the biggest one, in my opinion, of all of those. And a little bit short at safety, uh, just the way the depth chart shook out. And then you lose Fort, so you kind of had that that triangle in the middle of the field there, and you really wish you had another guy you could rely on, either at inside linebacker or safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, do you feel like they should be able to find that guy, go get that guy right now off the street? Because I mean, Fort was a street guy; he was right. a mid guy. And Bynes, I guess Bynes is just too too old at this point. Um, I thought he played pretty well two years ago. I really did. Yeah, he but, played very well. Yeah, so you'd think so, you know, inside linebacker. They they did it two they did it two years ago, right? They found both Bynes and Ford off the street. Um, I'm, I'm sure DeCosta's working on it. Let me give you one related question here, since I'm looking at it right now. Taylor Lyons asks: Is it fair to put any of the blame on poor inside linebacker play on Rob Ryan, and if so, how much? Um. I think it's probably fair to put to put uh, some percentage of it on on Rob Ryan. He was brought in to bring the second year players, Queen and Harrison, along, and they haven't developed. In fact, in some ways, they may have regressed regressed a little bit. How much? I have no idea. I don't know how to answer that part of it. Yeah, I I, I definitely put some on him. I also think the Ravens really. Um, decided they had something with Chris Board that they liked more than I did. Now, I'm not saying the guy is not ha, doesn't have some value. He's a good, you know, great special teams player, had a great year last year for the Ravens. But honestly, he's, he's not a great inside linebacker defensively, and you really can't get away with just being fast there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already know that with Queen, but also Board just does not really have good instincts for coverage either. Or he's a decent tackler. He, you know, he last year he had a terrible year tackling, but the rest of his career has actually been pretty good. Um, I, I, you know, it's just it, he's a guy who I think they thought more of him than I did, and you know, for half the price of what he's making this year, they could have had a vet min guy. You're right. That, that contract seemed a little bit rich to me. He, I thought he was. Not the greatest player, not the not the most uh, consistent player last season. A little bit undersized, converted safety, and the problem is none of their inside linebackers specialize in coverage. They're all pretty good coming downhill, you know, coming up, shooting up the a gap, but dropping back. They're not. This next tech question ties into that as well. Inside linebacker is the uh, hot hot button topic right here. Yeah, from uh, from diet woke with line. With the decent play from the rushers and abysmal play inside, is it time to try Tyus Bowser at middle linebacker? They sort of have in this last game. They played yeah. him off ball, and and you know they play a zero inside linebacker package now, a fairly significant portion of the time, sixteen snaps in this one, and a lot of those had Bowser off ball, uh, you know, standing up, trying to make use of his coverage in some way that they're really not getting from the inside linebackers. Yeah, I think it's worth, obviously, not in base, but in certain packages, I think it does make some sense. He played, he was a, a, um, a odd front, excuse me, even from 43 Sam in college. So mm. he does have, he's not been strictly a defensive end edge kind of guy. Um, so I think that, especially, and also his coverage ability, which, which we were just talking about. So unfortunately, Bowser's had his own problems with tackling this year, but in certain packages, I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, Bowser had a real good coming out game last week, but yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to try and avoid another inside linebacker <laughs> question and see if I can get to anything else. If I say no, um, uh, screen defense, we talked about that a little bit already, so I'm not going to go on that. Okay, here's a good one. On a bleak night for the D, I thought Stevens looked like a bright spot who took a step forward. He got to he got to spots fast to stop worse gains, and a safety just needs one more step to stop catches before they happen. What did you guys see? 
Uh, yeah, I thought he did well. I thought he did well, as, as we talked about. Um, uh, Spotfest, for the most part, I mean, he's still coming along, right? He was yeah. a running back turned into hybrid cornerback safety in his fifth professional game. Um, but, yeah, a useful piece, certainly as a dime and as Jumbo Nickel going forward. Yeah, I, I think they're going to need to get him to specialize on position a little bit more at some point. And maybe it's next year if Elliot, if Elliot moves on. But, uh, you know, they need a guy who, if, if he is drafted to be the free safety, let's make him the free safety because there's free safety things that he's not really doing right now. He's not really bracketing um, on plays very effectively or very often. And as a single eye, those a single high, those opportunities should come up once in a while. Even even if he's kind of late getting there, and you see him getting the picture late, but on a boundary play, you should see him in the picture more than I think we have uh, on, on some plays where he's the second defender uh, there to help out the corner. So uh, you know, I I, I I think it's I think really honestly in his case, it's all about specialization. It's all about mm-hmm. taking up that back end full time, and you know, allowing Clark to get back to where his roots are as the dime back when the dime is being played, coming up and playing that weak side linebacker role when the dime when that six defensive back is on the field. Yes, a hundred percent. That's where he's best for, for for several reasons, whether it's man coverage on tight ends or, or blitzing and obviously for the communication as well. And I do think uh, that was one thing that I didn't quite understand in training camp was why were they cross training the young DB so much where on the offensive line, they kind of let the players for the most part, pick a position and master it. Um, so I would like to see Stevens specialized as you said. Yeah. Um, Chip Rose uh, the second one's about linebackers. So was Averitt's not as bad as it looked and why did it happen? I think we hit on some of this already. And, and to me, it's moving the receiver a little bit closer. So I, I divide up the field into five spots or five vertical strips, I'll call it. If you're outside the numbers, that's a one. If you're between the numbers and the left hash, a two. Between the hashes, a three. And so on. Up to a five is the furthest right. So Averett at right cornerback always usually has been playing on that first outside strip of the field. When he plays there, he has a, a, a very good opportunity to use that boundary as an extra defender as long as they stay pretty close to it. When they, The further they move him outside, the more he's really playing free in space. And that's where he's going to get... He's going to get forced to make decisions at the top of the route. And the Colts just did an excellent job of single and double moving him to do whatever they wanted him to do. So he was on a puppet string really last night for, for the Colts receivers. Right. Right. I think um, as far as maybe he's not uh, the most agile uh, corner out there. I think that's why they probably didn't want to play him as a slot man last year. And that's not necessarily his game. He's more straight line, um, but could just be he had an off game. Hopefully he rebounds. Um, and I do think it was that Arizona game, like I mentioned before, where he was forced in action. He, I think he was targeted about 10 times and had a really tough one and played great down the stretch last year. Yeah, I, I think and it game might have been in 2019 because I think it was week two of the okay. MVPC. But that's okay. That's that's still, you know, if he's been to the woodshed a time, you know, you, you should see how he reacts to that. Neighbors has been playing well since, so. Um, I think it's a good point. I got one last question here. This is from Mr. Ed. Um, he says, thoughts on Frank Reich's decision to play the clock with six minutes left in regulation. They got very conservative. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they've been very effective with a nice mixed bag of offense in terms of running and passing. All of a sudden, a lot of inside zone mm-hmm. um, with, uh, with Jonathan Taylor mostly. Uh, and, they, and the last six run plays, the Ravens really shut them down, mm-hmm. uh, trying to do exactly that. What, what did you think? Was it too early for that in their case? Well, they were having pretty good success, and I think um, they were able to get Brandon Williams in for Jelly Ellis, and that stiffened up the uh, the front there. Too early, I mean, Lamar was so hot; he was on fire. You know, he, he was. It was almost that. I guess they figured try to try to keep the time away, and I think they were having success with it, and they probably just stuck with it too long, uh, but. Or maybe they – but fortunately for the Ravens, I think the coverage also improved on the last couple drives where they weren't getting 
um, you know, beaten so badly. Yeah, there was one other factor there is that I think the Colts really expected to make that field goal. Obviously, mm-hmm. the one that's blocked by Campbell. They were at short range already, so they figured they had it. So they wanted to run as much clock as they could, then make it a two-score game. And if, if you're the Colts, I'm not sure that's not your best chance to win that game. It's just to, to, to play for it, to burn as much clock as, and as many timeouts as you possibly can then. The Ravens only got one chance at it. They only scored with 39 seconds left. They probably could have scored a little earlier because they putzed around the goal line a little bit themselves. But they uh, – uh, you know, they, the, the Colts did a pretty good job. If they had made that kick, I don't think the Ravens have been able to come back in the game. They'd had to, they'd had to collect an onside kick to do it. Right. No, no question. They only had one timeout, two left at that point. The Carball was saving one if he needed it. Um, it all worked out. One of those sleeping with the angels kind of games. <laughs> all right. Outstanding. Good job. Good trip to the mailbag. I appreciate you doing that with me, Voss. Uh, always a pleasure, of course, to have you on this show. Tell folks where they can talk football with you and they can find your work. Sure. So I'm at Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. And I am a co-managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown, where we uh, publish articles, obviously. And I publish, author a handful of articles myself on a weekly basis. Be happy to have you come join the conversation there. Okay, always been a great site over there. Uh, you guys never had a true message board, right? But you had comments. Tell me how that works. Yeah, so each article has its own comments right underneath. And some of them are more popular than others. You get into some, some interesting debates. Fans from other sites come over. The SB Nation, all 32 teams have their own websites. So a lot of interaction with other fans, some uh, more cordial than others. Okay. I, I, if you're on one SB Nation site, are you welcome on all, or do they each have their own rules so the Colts don't want anybody coming over from Ravensland and talking about the game, smacking it up today? You can join any site. There's no, you know, they don't bar you from joining, but you have to join each site individually. And we encourage uh, great communication or, you know, talk and a little smack talk, but when they start talking about Ray Lewis in Atlanta and stuff like that, that's when they, uh, when it, that's when I kick them off. <laughs> okay. Very good. Glad to hear that. And I, you said on, I, one more time on Twitter at Vasilis beatdown, Vasilis beatdown, V A S I L I S. All right. Outstanding. Thanks again, Voss. Uh, always looking for people now to do 25 years pods, pods about Ravens history. And Voss, I got to get you for a topic here because I'm sure given your knowledge, we'd, we'd have a lot of fun talking about it. Sure. Uh, we're looking for specific, very targeted things that could be talked about in some depth. So we just had somebody talk about Rashawn Melvin. And that mm-hmm. was a cool topic because he's got a he got a, a, an odyssey for the Ravens over his five games with them, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, truly was a was a was a fun topic. A lot of people I find want to talk about games that the Ravens lost as opposed to ones they won. I don't know why, but that seems to be you know less people wanted to talk about 2003 Seattle. I still don't have a taker on that as opposed to you know <laughs> some of these uh, games like the 2011 AFC Championship and such. Anyway, Voss, thanks again for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This was great. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.